If there's anything crypto has taught us, Brent, is that someone's identity is crucial to whatever work they produce. Yes, it's true. You need to be you need to be able to make ad hominem attacks, and how are you going to do that? Yeah, if you don't know who they are, you got to make up shit like they jerk off the Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie, and I am joined today by my two co-hosts, Brent Philbin. What is going on, baby? And Kareem Baruke. Hello, Cryptoverse. Yeah, call back to Crypties. <laughs> All right, guys, this is episode 153, and flagship not 52, it's 56, I believe. Yeah, my outline had 56, yes, 56. Mike, just for the record. Mm, the, indeed, indeed. It has See, 56, I call, it's I, in the name of the episode, it's in the top. Indeed, but that's in why I knew. Uh, and this is coming to you uh, live January the 25th of 2019, so let's get started. Uh, what's coming up, Brent? What are we releasing in the next couple weeks? 2020 comes in 11 well, months, guys. Yeah, it's coming it's up. I'm just crazy. letting everybody know. It's, just, it's gonna I be right like around the it. corner. It just feels Pause. like the future. That's all I'm saying. 2020. On, I don't know. On, just, on Twitter, Anthony Lusardi commented on a what appeared to be a Twitter bot that is year progress, and the, all the tweet said was the year is six percent over. And and uh, Lusardi was like, "Get the fuck out of here! Come on, Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and I actually, that's super interesting. You guys brought that up in January somehow. I just had an interaction that was really funny with that. Well, my only response to yeah, that story well, is that it's six and a half percent over or something like that. Now, <laughs> continue, Brett. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm coming at y'all from Biloxi, Mississippi. I've never been here before, and I happen to stop over here. Uh, but what's co- what's coming up? What are we doing? We're last week we had our content creator panel turned out really well. If you haven't listened to that, go go back one episode, check that out. Really cool. Um, we're gonna have more panels like that in the future. We're working on our sec- our next one for February. Uh, we've got some cool possible probable guests lined up for that. And we're also we just put up a poll on ClearPoll, which is like this crypto backed polling thing. One of our Twitter followers reached out to me about it. I kind of thought they were crazy. And they said, no, look at this platform. Like you guys can be a featured pollster, I bet, if you ask them. So I asked them. They made us featured pollsters. So we are officially featured polls of ClearPoll. That's where we will put up our polls when we do episodes. We'll also put up a lot of other random funny polls. So uh, the next 101 that we're recording will be the Waves platform um, based on that poll. I'm not sure when we're going to get to that, but it is coming within the next couple of weeks. I don't know if it'll be the next episode that we re- that we release other than a flagship, but it might be the one after that. All right. And I do have to apologize. Last week... I, this is something Kareem definitely would have caught as we were reporting it. Oh, yeah. We're, we're so fucking stupid. We definitely autopiloted this and didn't really consider it. But if Uh-oh. you do get the new ledger, you do not have to move your coins from the the Nano Ledger S to the Ledger X if you decide to upgrade. It's it's You have a private seed. You can just pull up your private keys and you know go in that way. It's, there's a lot of benefits to that upgrade, but uh, we just went right by that. One of the Discord members was like, what the fuck? You don't any and he like said it and I'm like, oh my god, how did we say that wrong? Like we're so stupid. I don't know if it was the morning or what, but we were just going on 
we're more interested in getting the referral money, so we were just talking about the thing and not <laughs> well, providing even, good information. We told you Starling a reason not admission to get it. over here. Trump's going with the uh, he's going with the Trumpian strategy. He's just like, <laughs> we're, well, we're just thinking about the money. Come on now. <laughs> well, no, what was funny is we made an argument for not to get it. We just created like a a fictitious in our head a roadblock <laughs> that would make us not want it. So then we talked about it, and then like, wait a second, that's not only were we completely wrong, but it's completely counterintuitive to the point that we brought it up. So, whoops. Well, I, as our members, listeners know, we like to engage in hypothetical discussions. And you guys were saying that if that wasn't a feature, screw that. But what's holding you back now, right? Indeed. Yeah. Which is why this episode is sponsored by us. Right, Brett? <laughs> yes. This episode sponsored by us. And of course, our patrons. So, if you haven't signed up for our Patreon, please, $1 an episode really goes a long way. And if you're out there thinking, oh, I kind of want to sponsor those guys. Make sure you hit us up at CryptoBasicPodcast at gmail.com, and you could be our sponsor for February and get your name read at the beginning of all of these episodes or in the middle somewhere. Uh, I believe the February sponsor probably gets a little more than their name read, but you can email us if you want more details on that. (laughs) And now this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move to the news section. Brent. Uh, UK man was arrested for doing what? Okay, so Europol arrested a UK man for stealing $10 million worth of IOTA, which I thought was kind of an interesting story. I'm like, okay, great. Somebody caught like a crypto hacker, crypto thief. But this guy is actually – we've talked about him on the show before. It's the guy that that put up that website that was generating fake keys that uh, meant if you had been one of the people – that went to that website to generate your key because originally IOTA had a really difficult process to generate their keys. And they may still, I don't know, I haven't generated a key anytime recently. But yeah, that was the guy. They, they caught him. So Kareem yeah. thought he was a victim of this hack at one point, right? Yeah. So <laughs> do you guys ever wish you trusted a previous version of yourself more Right? Don't you guys ever go do something like, oh, I forgot to turn off the, I don't know, turn off Literally the stove. Literally once or, an hour. <laughs> yeah, all the time, right? So I remember when this story came out. And I did use a random seed generator and I was like, how could I be so stupid? You know, because the things are so long and I didn't want to create a phrase and I was freaking out. This is when I still had IOTA. That has not been the case for a long time. So, you know, I can share this information. (laughs) And then when I finally like, you know, dug up my generator and all that stuff, I felt so good because I had changed just like some random characters. I, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to just use the seed that I got online. I'm going to get mostly random and change like four random things. Nice. Woo. Thank Jeebus because I would have been mad at myself for basically ever. I would have died for mad. For allowing a virus to like <laughs> yeah, yeah, your, I would just, your crypto get scammed like that. I would have just died mad for real. This podcast probably wouldn't exist. He would feel so stupid that he's like, no, there's no way I, I can talk to fire, people yeah. about crypto. I can never talk to the people again. Why should they listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah they they caught him, they got him though. uh basically this huge group of people got together and they were like yo we got to figure out who this guy is they haven't released his name but his username was not bert vdberg so he yeah he totally wasn't that guy whoever that is and he he actually was i i looked a little bit more into the attack he waited six months to make the attack like that site gained some credibility while he was doing it and uh, he had released, like, a fake code to the GitHub. 
so it looked like he was doing it correctly, and they didn't figure it out until January 19th when he executed the attack. Dude also timed the market fucking perfectly. So, kind of nuts. Um, he was, uh, he was German, and he was in the UK, so he's being extradited to Germany to face trial there. Damn Germans, bro. Just kidding. Mm. I love Germans. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, this is, this is brutal, man. And, like, uh, this is going to seem like a random tangent, but have either of you seen that, uh, Firefest documentary on Netflix? I, well, everybody's it, talking about how good it is. Oh, uh, dude, it's, it's, one of my friends, Nitty, t- told me it reminded him of the PPC. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent here it will remind you of the PPC in the sense that scammers be scamming. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it's one of these things where like you just learn about these personalities that can just comfortably do this. They can just set something up fully with the intention beginning to end that they're going to just screw thousands of people out of thousands of dollars and make millions. And it's, I don't know, man, it's insane. It's like sociopathic in a way, you know, but... I'm really glad they got him because I thought this was the kind of thing that we would never hear about ever again. Something that like I keep thinking about in situations like this is, you know, there's so many people in the world and now we're communicating in a way via the internet that we've never really communicated before. We're going to see so many of the extremes coming on both sides. You know, we're going to see the extremes of the the wonderful people that are doing amazing things and the complete shitbags that are just ruining people's lives. But with enough data, we can start studying the habits of these individuals and hopefully start removing them from the equation. How did they find him? Do they know, Brent? Did they mention it at all? How did they find the IOTA guy? Yeah. They, so they they said a group got together and provided a lot of information. They didn't say how they found him and they didn't even say who it was. They said they were withholding his name. So I assume mm. we will get at some point more information on that. Uh, but for now, we just know that he was caught. So... Maybe some people will get their funds back, although it's going to be worth eight hundred thousand instead of ten million now. But yeah, whatever. Though, I mean, if they had kept their iota, it would still be worth that. But yeah, like anyway, at least there's smart people out there that know what they're doing that are willing to do this kind of stuff. I always like stories of people like crowdsourcing justice in in a good way, not like yeah, crowdsourcing anything really, right? Like that is always fascinating to me. Like the the power of a group of people is really powerful. Especially a knowledgeable group of people like when the white hat hackers or something like that. It's amazing. It's like wizardy. <laughs> Speaking of wizardry, uh it appears the Samsung S10 has had some leaked images that may include some crypto wallets. Kareem, what did you think of this? Boom boom boom. We may be excited, we may not be. So, this started with an image that was posted on Twitter by an account of Ben Geskin, which the article says he's like a product designer and all this stuff. I scrolled through his Twitter. It looks like it's basically an account that specializes in leaking information about upcoming phones. Actually, in a way, this made it a little bit more credible, even though this could still be a false story. But it wasn't like a crypto account. It wasn't an account trying to push crypto. It was an account that was talking about new technology. Go ahead, Mike. Were you able to look back at some of his old releases and see how many of them ended up being somewhat accurate? I mean, I, I wouldn't know I what to look uh, for necessarily. No, no, that's a great... Honestly, that that would be the next process, but I didn't go in depth. I was just scrolling through account and everything in the last couple of months is still upcoming stuff, obviously. But anyway, here's the images. The images show what is going to be it's essentially called Samsung Blockchain Key Store. And it looks like it's going to allow you to either create a new wallet on your Samsung or import a wallet 
And as far as the screenshot is concerned, it only looks like it's Ethereum so far. So here's what's important to note. This has not been confirmed by Samsung. So right now we're just speculating, but did a little digging. There was a article about a month ago in a website called Sam Mobile. They're not a new site. They're a Samsung mobile site with you know hype and news and stuff. I don't know how those sites are connected or not connected, if it's just fanboys or sellers or whatever. But they had an article saying, hey, we heard about this crypto wallet stuff. We did some digging and they can confirm, they said, that they can confirm that they're working in a crypto wallet for the S10 and that it's going to have two components. One of them is going to be a cold wallet um, just for like transfers and stuff. You're going to have private keys. And they were adamant about the fact that Samsung wouldn't have access to that information or that data. Apparently, if you create a cold wallet on here, it's not like Samsung's going to know who's creating what wallet and be able to identify it. It'll be created. It'll be stored on the blockchain anonymously. And then there will be Another wallet, which is like your uh, soft, let's say your software wallet, the one that um, is going to have like maybe an account history or like, I guess the more Venmo style thing, right? Uh, it's just that it's going to allow people to import their existing wallets from MetaMask, Trust Wallet, you know, third party apps like that. And this, I'm going to read the exact quote because it seems kind of like a cop out. I don't know if this is a quote that they got or they just went through some big cryptos. They're like, the cryptocurrencies and tokens supported initially may include. Bitcoin, Ethereum, ERC-20s, and Bitcoin Cash. Okay, so it may include the most likely options. So take that for what it is. All right, and then the last thing, like I told you guys, it says that Samsung's not going to have access um, to the personal information. So that's really interesting. And that they might use extra layers of security, such as pins or fingerprints when you're trying to send a transaction, which the original, the one that the Sam Mobile, which is focused on tech, on Samsung phones, they note that the fact that they're focusing on fingerprint is probably an indication that S10 is going to move away from Iris technology, that they're not really that heavy into that, I guess. Uh, but anyway, this would be pretty good for mass adoption. I mean, <laughs> Samsung Galaxy phones are very popular, so I hear. It will actually be more important for mass adoption than you might even think on the surface. Have you used Samsung Pay? No, I, I don't, but I, I think this is huge. Like giving everybody access to a wallet. I this this is massive. Samsung Pay is my favorite payment system of like PayPal, Venmo, all of them. It is the easiest, it is Why? the best, it seems the most secure. It's just got a great user experience. I can use my fo- I can use my watch, boop it up to the shit, and I'm good to go. I can use my phone, boop it up to the shit, and I'm good to go. Gives me some reward points. It's got a really clean interface, everything like that. Like it is my go-to if I if I'm at like a normal checkout counter, that's how I would rather use that than stick my card in, wait for it to read the fucking chip, blah blah blah, pull it out. Like it is way better. And hmm. they, I might set up my Samsung Pay today. Yeah, it, it's well worth it. I mean, it's better than my experience with Apple Pay. Um, now, given I was using an older version of Apple Pay, but still, when I switched to Samsung, the versions uh, at the same time, Samsung was miles better. And if they're Using that same uh, kind of innovation to create a mobile crypto wallet, as long as they're approaching it from the right perspective of people that understand it, which it, I'm sure they are. They are pretty much the entire country right. of Korea. Uh, they will end up with a really good product. So it may be the first steps in that ridiculously user-friendly experience that we're looking for. So not just the fact that it's on Samsung phones, but that it, if it was developed by them is huge. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I was, I was going to try to mention earlier. 
That was great. So actually, uh, one thing we forgot to mention in the announcement section, I went on the PayPod podcast yesterday. I did oh, a recording. Yeah. I think that's going to be launched next week sometime. Uh, we're definitely going to include links to that whenever that comes out. But um, our conversation was very much a lot of the theory and why and you know the the, the basics of Bitcoin. But um, an analogy came to me during that discussion where you know I feel like. Bitcoin is the railroad tracks that we're building. And there's going to be a lot of trains built on top of these railroad tracks. And we need a lot of these companies, these larger companies to decide how they want to build their trains. Now, you know, Samsung is going to be a massive player in this space because they have to be right. All technology is going to flow through them and they're going to make their decisions. Them adding this technology is Makes a lot of sense. It's going to be super easy and clean for the people that want it. And I think this is going to be massive. It, only if they add it. And this is completely unconfirmed. Just to, I want to reiterate that to everybody. This is like, this is a leak. This is not for sure. You know, we've had leaks for the last five years that the Galaxy was going to create a folding phone. And now that hasn't happened. But the Razor's coming out again. That it, Have you seen the new Razor, by the way? The Motorola no. Razor? No. It is awesome. So they've created, they created a foldable screen phone that looks kind of like the Razor when it's, uh, when it's folded up, but it has a screen on the outside. It has a little screen on the bottom. And then we open it up. It's got a massive foldable screen on the inside and it's 1500 bucks and it looks great. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about phones. Welcome to the, (laughs) the phone basic podcast where we talk about Motorola Razors. We're talking about leaks and stuff here. The Razer was the thing back then. But here's what I will say, though. The leaks about the folding phone are a little bit... Basically, if somebody is claiming that a phone company is about to do something that we don't really have or whatever in the market... in Because that's the one that, where the screen folds, right, Brent? Not like yeah. a flip phone, obviously. Yeah, so right. that hasn't come out yet. So we're allowed to be, I think, more skeptical of that claim. Here... The crypto wallets exist? Does the software exist? Yes, absolutely. Is Samsung capable of putting that in there? Is that a major hardware uh, decision? No, it's not. It's. I mean, so it seems credible, but I agree with you. This is completely speculative. Sure, but let's pretend you have the S10 and I'm assuming the S11. Like, What percentage chance do you think the S11 has a crypto wallet? I'm saying in the 90% probably, if you're going to go this generation plus one, right? So whether or not this exact story comes true is somewhat irrelevant to me because it's coming, I think. Hmm. You know, this made me think about one more thing real quick. One of the things I've learned a lot is in politics, when you hear a story coming out, they're actually often trial balloons. Like if you hear, oh, you know, uh, Joe Biden's considering blah, blah, blah. A lot of times that's an actual trial balloon by the campaign. They leak something to a reporter so that the story gets out there so that they can gauge what the public response is. I wonder if this is also a practice in tech or anything like that, where you might be considering something. I'm not saying that this is what's happening here. I'm just curious if that's something where like, maybe you put a trial balloon out there and if it gets really good response, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we should put more resources into that, you know? That's a definition for something that I find myself doing a lot. Like, I'll just jump in the Discord and just spit out a balloon or or seven at any (laughs) given time and just, like, sit back and wait a couple hours and nobody responds. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to abandon that idea. Let's move on. (laughs) Trial balloon lost. Trial balloon lost. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of getting lost, Brent, let's talk about Apollo. What is this all about? (laughs) All right. 
So we may have another scam on the books. There are some very clear red. Yeah. Very clear red flags being tossed up by this Apollo currency. Uh, It is not as obvious as something like substratum. This is kind of in its stages that some of this is a little bit uh, circumstantial. But we're going to go over what we found, what we had, and or not what we found, but what the uh, the Reddit poster that was talking about this found. Um, what I will say is we've talked about Apollo before on the show. Uh, Apollo is the currency that had the guy go do the expedition to find dinosaurs in the Congo. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this guy's very So, cool. yeah. yeah he, but just just so, to confirm, is that dinosaur fossils in the Congo? No, he was – they were so – it was part of their – they ran a Kickstarter – where they raised whatever 30 grand i can't remember exactly how much it was but they were going on an expedition to an unexplored or very rarely explored region of the congo where they expected they might find prehistoric animals that were not yet extinct or something like that so it was and we then have lizards like, in florida <laughs> and then like they didn't do it they went and kind of like took some pictures but didn't really do it and they this is kind of one of the red flags because the guy who's the CEO of the currency was, or at least the foundation or whatever, was a was the person who created that. Um, his name is uh, Sam something or other. Um, oh, not uh, a Justin. Hang on, let me That's a, hold on. Not a, yeah, he's not a Justin. That's a relief. He's not a Justin. I want to get his name right. Are you sure it's a scam? Then okay, got it. It's not Sam. All right, so his his name is uh, <laughs> his name is Steve McCullough. It is not a Justin, so we have which if he was a Justin, he'd already be guilty, basically, right? So right, this is we're we're reserving a little bit of judgment here for a couple of reasons, and I'll get to them in a second. So basically, this Reddit poster did some research and said, "Listen, guys, the Apollo team is engaging in a pump and dump. If you look at the Apollo chart, it is." <laughs> Like they went from (laughs) and I know this because I got yelled at in their telegram chat, but I went in there and I had used the term small project to refer to them because they're outside the top 100 market cap. And they're like, well, two days ago we were 68. So (laughs) they were a massive like pump and dump situation. Now, whether it was perpetrated by the team or not, we don't know. We know that John McAfee was employed slash. Uh, he was like an advisor on the project or something, and he's one of the few people that had access to as many coins as we're moving. And Did also, you say John he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, so it's a confirmed scam. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> we got Could more. Be a cult uh, still, okay. he's <laughs> part of the, he's part of the red flags. He's part of the red flags. John McAfee. Brent, uh, real quick, I'm looking at the coin market cap right now, just for context. I don't know if you said this, but it literally forexed. It 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 went from yeah. a market cap of. Yeah, I mean that's insanity. Yeah, twelve million to forty-eight million, almost fifty-something million in like a few days. So continue. Yeah, it went bananas. So the redditor posted like three days before this, or two or three days before this final post, and he's like, "Look, these guys are about to engage in a big pump and dump. They're running a coin that is a fork from another coin that is claiming to do all this stuff, but hasn't really implemented that stuff." Uh, they're claiming we have smart contracts, sharding, privacy, and all that stuff. I actually don't know the veracity of those statements. The uh, the the founder's response to this was that they have implemented a lot of this stuff and that it's in their code. He mentions that it's been parabolically pumping in the last couple of days, and he thinks that it's probably not intent, not uh, organic. Um, he said that the team has mentioned that a dollar is the target price 
in the telegram, but he didn't provide any screenshots for that. He did provide a lot of links and a lot of sources, but this particular one, he didn't provide anything. So tell me if you've heard this story before. I go into the telegram. Everybody's talking about Super Moon friendly. Boys. Yeah, no, no, I, I didn't get banned this time. So, but it's like a cult-like following where anybody who says anything get anything negative gets shit on. There's a Twitter bot that's posting every five minutes to retweet an announcement of an announcement. They have the announcement that they're going to be added to the biggest crypto payment system known to man, and they'll tell you what it is soon, right? So you, you've heard this stuff. So, so anyway, what, what he goes on to is he notices that a bunch of these exchanges have these weird sell orders on them. Like they're massive sell orders in the middle of this. And even though Apollo is somewhat anonymous, he figured out some accounts were related to team members. And he also found some accounts that had so much of the currency that it had to either be the team or John McAfee. Um, and those ones he said were the ones that were having transactions. Um, I didn't check the block explorer. But the, the comments, it seemed to confirm this. The response from Stephen McCullough, he wrote a response to this. His response was, yeah, I don't really have time to look into this right now, but I'm pretty sure this wallet is us, but this one's not. This is literally what his response was. I was like, what? How can you not just say definitively or like post a link or something? He, he claims that they, that they will ban everybody from the Telegram. I went in to try and confirm this and I did not get banned from Telegram. So let me tell you about my experience in their Telegram. I pop in and I, I, the first thing I see is somebody say, great time to buy Apollo guys. It's really low because of all the FUD. Grab it while you can. So my response to them was maybe <laughs> we should wait until this all kind of shakes out and uh, we find out maybe now is not the best time to buy. And <laughs> yeah, but the price will go up by then. That seems bad. His response was, End quote. well, we can't, you can't predict whether a coin is going to go up or down. You just got to know when you believe in something. And I'm like, yeah, but you just made a prediction. You just said time to buy. <laughs> and he's like, well, and so anyway, I, and then I introduced myself. I'm like, hi, got a podcast. I'm going to be talking about this on the show. I'm wondering if you guys have any links or any sources for anything that Steve said in his response. The only thing in his response that he gave sources to was his dinosaur expedition, where he gave a bunch of sources and basically he's saying, look, guys, we did go on this expedition. We refunded any of the Kickstarter people that wanted it. Uh, and then we went and completed the expedition anyway. We got kicked out the first time. We got detained seven different times by local authorities and all this stuff. He had links. He had pictures. Um I, I don't know whether they actually went. Obviously, whether you went or not is kind of a moot point if you're raising money to go find dinosaurs. But uh, they, he spent most of his rebuttal article on that. And he did a lot of that. I don't know what this is called in psychology. But he says, look, if we wanted to do this, why would we? Rather than just proving like why it wasn't done, they he was giving reasons why they wouldn't do something rather than specifically showing why they didn't do it. And one of the other pieces of his response article that I really didn't like was he said that the Reddit poster used links intentionally to make it look like it was a well-researched piece when, in fact, it wasn't. So he was being misleading with providing sources, which obviously we think is You blinked out for just ridiculous. a second there. So why, why did they accuse him of, of bad links? Uh, they didn't. They said that his links were included to make it look like he had researched something when he hadn't. 
So, or or at least that it didn't lead to the conclusion that he was coming to. So basically they were saying, yeah, he provided sources, but they don't really matter. And in fact, the fact that he provided sources that don't matter like we think they do makes it even worse that he provided sources. That was kind of their their hypothesis there. Um, he also said that they've never banned anyone from their telegram for bad things. And the guy immediately posted screenshots of people getting banned in like two seconds. And then finally, like... The admins were nice to me in this one. It wasn't like the substratum community where I went in. The admins were shit. They did say like, "Look, we'll we'll let you talk to Steve if you want links to this stuff." And I was like, "Great, I will make you this offer. I will definitely present his side of the story if he gives me the links." He did not. And I said, "And if we go live with the episode before I talk to him, he can come on the show and argue with me if he wants. Like, I have no problem letting him have his piece on the show." So they um, they said. This one guy in there, he wasn't an admin, but he's clearly, like, one of their big community members, was like, you guys are lying. You're not really going to have him on the show. And I was like, look, I wouldn't normally have him on the show. The the coin, the project is small. They're, they're so small that they would need to be a – they would need to be a sponsored project. And honestly, with the red flags, I wouldn't have him on. But because we're going to actually talk about it, I will give him his, his platform to go ahead and, you know, Defend talk himself. back. So – I made the same offer to the Substratum community. Obviously, they never come on. They never came on. I don't expect Steve to come on, but if he does, great. I will have. I will absolutely I have. I feel a like conversation we've made this offer him. to a lot of communities that have turned not accepted. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I wouldn't want to come try to argue with me. Usually made for people. <laughs> well, it's it's easier to argue when you're right. That's what I yeah. found. <laughs> so anyway, reserving some judgment, I I personally wouldn't invest in this coin. I have no idea. You know, do your own research. Check this out yourself. Our links are in the show notes. I have the links to the original post, the post that was two days before that or after that. I have links to Steve's response. I have links to uh, an article that kind of is uh, presents the information in an unbiased way. Doesn't really make a conclusion. And yeah, that guy, uh, Mick, in the Telegram channel, you're a fucking douche. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to finish this off civilly. Almost. Almost. We got close. <laughs> that was good, Brent. You waited till the end. Good job, buddy. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not a lot to say here. Like, there's so many smoke and mirrors in crypto that, you know, actually, like, when Brent says do your own research, like, there's a lot of ways that that's extremely difficult. And that's why we can't recommend investing in small projects because of how easy it is for them to deceive you. Yeah. The less information there is about a project, the harder it is to kind of make a determination on anything other than what the team says. So uh, to clarify what I mean about that guy being a douche, he like he he basically said, oh, you mean that basement dweller that jerks off the Game of Thrones uh, every three days? And I was like, wow, no, no, the guy who made the Reddit post and he's like, yeah, that guy won't even make himself known as to who he is. I'm like, why would he have to say who he is? There's nothing like literally Satoshi Nakamoto is anonymous. So if you can't deal with anonymity in crypto, bro, get the fuck out. Yeah, but so is Bruno coin. Blocks from If there's Pearl. anything crypto has taught us, Brent, is that someone's identity is crucial to whatever work they produce. Yes, it's true. You need to be you need to be able to make ad hominem attacks. And how are you going to do that yeah. if you don't know who they are? You got to make up shit like they jerk off the Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. He's like, I don't want to make up that thing. He forced me to by not revealing his identity so that I could find out real dirt. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So you want to see a, uh, you know, moon boy community go in, pop in their telegram. It was pretty bad. Turns out I don't. All right. I'm sick of this conversation. I'm done talking about scams. 
Mike, I think it's time for Crypto Around the World. Alrighty, so uh, this article made me think of a new segment that we probably won't use, but is this Black Mirror or reality? Oof. Ooh. Okay, so. <laughs> you just call it black or white. <laughs> and white is reality. Back down, Brent. Continue. <laughs> white privilege. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, China starts a debt shaming app. The new app warns users if they are walking near somebody in debt. Brent, remind oh, us what you know shit. about WeChat. Uh, what you, I what know, you know that about WeChat, WeChat is basically their like messenger or their line. It's like the it's their WhatsApp. It's the Chinese WhatsApp. It's like the main way that they'll communicate uh, over there. Encrypted it's, I don't think it's I don't think it's end to end encrypted. No, so um, like a Facebook messenger, but it's it's very popular. Yeah, right? yeah, it's super popular. It's okay, the, I think it's the primary okay. mode of communication there. All right, so uh, the northern Chinese province of Hebei, uh, the China Daily reports that they will they are launching this app, and the app is named Map of Deadbeat Debtors. Uh, it's currently <laughs> unknown if the app reveals names or photographs. It doesn't mention how much is owed or to whom. The app allows people to whistleblow on debtors capable of paying their debts. Open quote, it's part of our measures to enforce our rulings and create a socially credible environment, end quote, said a spokesman for the people's, the higher people's court of Hebei. So they're moving towards a social credit score system. Uh, oh, Hangzhou, oh the capital city of China's, uh, I don't know how to say all these Chinese <laughs> cities. <laughs> all right. So recently they launched a system for social credibility that rewards things like donating blood, healthy lifestyles, and volunteer work. It also punishes you for traffic violations, drinking Ah. alcohol, Ah. smoking, or speaking poorly about the government. Oh, fuck. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This, This gets a little crazier. So by next quarter of 2019, the Chinese government has already blocked 11 million flights and 4 million high-speed train trips from people with poor social credit. People were denied flights and trains to the tune of 11 million and 4 million coming up in the next three-month block, okay? Uh, Beijing is linking a bunch of different databases together to get a more detailed picture of all the residents' info across a multitude of social and financial platforms. And last March, China also introduced a an advanced facial recognition a facial recognition system in 16 provinces called Skynet, and this was for quote security and protection. They called quote. it Skynet. Come on, Skynet is capable of identifying 40 unique facial features regardless of angle and lighting at an accuracy rate of 99.8%. Comparing them to a database of criminals at a rate of three billion times per second. Wow. Black okay, mirror so or reality. Calling it Skynet, you're just asking for it at that point. Come on. Skynet is the the name of the Terminator company. So that's how the that's how we ended up fighting a war with the Terminators in the Terminator movies. Also, I would be fucked in China because I do all these things that I get punishments for except smoking. 
I also think about Chino Ream walking around China, just like as he's going through the crowd. I mean, just like, think ding, of ding, any ding, poker ding, room, ding, like ding, it's ding, ding, ding. yeah. Oh god, yeah. Oh man, it would be <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, that would be really bad. I look. There are that. This is the scary part of the surveillance state. The scary part of the things that you kind of do that makes sense. Like this starts out as, hey, we need to expand our surveillance a little bit to catch terrorism and ends as if you don't fucking suck up to the president, Trump, you can't get on a plane. Holy fuck. Hmm. Yeah. No, this is terrifying stuff, man. (laughs) You know, and so, you know, it's, I've thought about before, like, it's interesting how a lot of, uh, I don't want to like, dog too much here on China. Obviously, our government has its own issues. All of these governments have a lot of issues. But a lot of this stuff that we think is more unfathomable here, we're still going to have to deal with because of things that are happening elsewhere, like human cloning, uh, cybernetic implant. I mean, like whatever it is, like you're talking about a, po- a population that literally for decades told their people, you can only have one kid and a story. So yes, obviously they're willing to infringe in freedom. We're getting more technology. How that society is going to react? Is there going to be a social backlash? And how's that government going to respond to that? Like, dude, it's uncharted waters, the future for sure. It is really, really scary because you can see the people that will defend it. You will see people being like, what? If, if you weren't such a piece of shit, you wouldn't have a problem with this social credit system, would you? And it's the same, like, if you've got nothing to hide, then you shouldn't have any problem with your transparency kind of thing. And uh, that just isn't something that you should be forcing on an individual. It seems like such a weird system to apply, like, midstream, right? Like, like how can you back credit these types of things? It's In a way, like, even if I were trying to dominate a society, it seems like, oh, let's introduce this at, like... I don't know, the elementary school level and like see what happens and then let them grow into adults and let that social credibility rise with a certain generation, maybe like, obviously that's a weird way of looking at it, but that's just something that comes to mind. Now, what you're doing is you are implementing a system that you think is going to weed out or make worse undesirable people. It is the same systems that you see in place in the United States. They're just more veiled like the prison system for instance that it you will have systems that are inherently racist because the person that made them is thinking to themselves oh here's my group of people that i don't like they might not think i don't like black people but they might think i don't like all of these characteristics of people which also happen to happen more in the higher percentage in the black population and then so what's happening in china is that this social credit system is going to hurt their lower class significantly. And the upper class are going to consider their lower class undesirable and they're not going to care that it's hurting them and it's going to be a big problem. Yeah. Another thing to note here is how you're mixing different things with compliance, right? Like they're saying, oh, you're going to be able to see who owes money, who's not paying their debts that can afford it. That's probably using things like income and stuff. But that's also being mixed with whether or not you speak negatively about the government. So that's how you can start putting things together that are not really together to create a package of undesirable people or the people that are opposing us, which by the way, I have to say it just because like for balance, 
Yes, it's different the way that they do it because there's so much clearly authoritarian and there is significantly less freedom. But it's not like we're completely divorced from this over here. We do have credit systems that are ran by private companies that can determine or limit your ability sometimes to get employment. And sh- I understand that they should know your credit history when you're trying to get a loan for a house. But we know that your credit score gets analyzed sometimes even for things like employment and, all, and all, things like that. And in the United States, right here with things like the war on drugs and other parts of our history, we specifically targeted groups of people to try to make them seem undesirable or dysfunctional in order to, you know, whatever, for authority, for power. We've seen it with our presidents. So this is an extension of a story that has actually been playing out in a lot of societies, ours included. This is just a really extreme version with a lot of technology. Yeah, and it's almost like, in a way, I feel like they're just honest about it. And a lot of these types of things pr- might be happening here that we just don't know about because it's it's secret, right? I mean, probably not to this extent, but maybe right. close. We could talk for a long time on how uh, Xi Jinping runs that government. Like, it's super authoritarian, but he's like kind of doing it in such a way that it doesn't look like he's doing the maximum abuse of power so it's just enough not to cause a massive uprising but yet implements things like this where if you say bad things about him you have a problem so they get things done faster and easier and we've we've seen that a million times it's why like icos need to be centralized before they're decentralized but Faster and easier doesn't mean better, and uh, that's why they may be ahead of the world in in the industrial areas and being. But that's also because they violate human rights constantly. So uh, it sucks. Yeah, trade offs. No, it, yeah, but like, it is really interesting. It's really interesting, guys, because there's no question that from a human rights and morality standpoint, uh, the West has done a lot more progress. But from, uh, let's say we were playing a game of Civ. I know this sounds ridiculous, but as a game of Civ or from a big picture perspective of what a society is being able to pull off, what China did in the last 30 years is arguably the greatest accomplishment by any society in the history of mankind to bring like three, 400, 500 million people out of poverty to go from like a third world country to a dominant superpower to go from like mm-hmm. the the level of income growth and like society building and infrastructure building that China has done over the last 50 years is like insanity. And you're right. It couldn't have been done under some other governments, but the price that a lot of Chinese people and especially minorities in China have paid for this is huge. And the civil rights cost, I mean, it's weird. So my initial thoughts here are, I think, and this actually is going to go back to uh, our conversation on Jordan Peterson recently, where I found that I think humans tend to do really well with structure. And I know that this group of the three of us might be outliers to that, but I've found myself working, especially with this podcast, the more structure I have in my life, the easier things are becoming. And, you know, I think that this example of the Chinese government is definitely too much, but, you know, is too much freedom a bad thing in the long run? Is too much control a bad thing in the long run? Usually the answers lie somewhere in the middle, but like it's impossible to know what's right and wrong, in my opinion, because when you change those types of decision points in a full government, I would imagine – there's so much variance in millions and billions of people that are all pl- – well, maybe that reduces the variance, I guess, because you have so many simulations of it that maybe uh, the improvements here are – I don't know. It's very complex. And, and Mike, it, it, our values change. It's just so difficult 
Because we will always have the tendency to analyze any stories through our current values. And there's there's like an underlying thought in our minds that our current values are the right values. Like now we know what proper human rights are, what proper animal rights are, but we don't, right? And it'll, it'll right. constantly change. So it's completely foreseeable that in 20, 30 years or in 100 years, people have a completely different value set that maybe maybe privacy is not that important to some people, or maybe it's more important than it's ever been. Maybe human suffering or freedom or our conception of everything, like you said, maybe we learn that actually some kind of structure, but your ability to choose that structure, whatever. It's really hard not to analyze the world through our current filters. And those filters are guaranteed to change over time. So you're right. We don't know what what is the right direction. Not only do they guarantee to change, but you have plenty of examples of pretty much any topic you want to talk about. Our global morality on that topic has changed massively. And especially in the last 20 years, like you can now, because now with the invention of the internet, communications at an all-time high, you could probably slice that really thin and get really detailed answers on things. And that's, you know, part of this whole big data movement. Yep. It is hard to know, right? the right direction from the wrong direction sometimes uh this is the wrong direction although then again if you completely eliminate all the people who say anything bad about the government and the government is being authoritarian maybe they just get even better and have more dominance and more what if the people are happy? crazier i don't fucking cheat I, I don't know right. that listen uh, listen Brent, okay, I'm I'm gonna defend Mike's point here real quick. In no way, shape, or form do I believe that the code of civil rights and human rights in China is appropriate. Let me just make that clear. But Same. in there's a guy I think his name is Eric Liu. He had a talk about the Chinese form of government compared to the U.S. form of government and the legitimacy of it. And when it comes to the question of legitimacy, because in the West we're saying, hey, listen, democracy. What about the people's right to choose? Where is the legitimacy in the Chinese government? And the question was, what about efficacy? If you go ask most Chinese youth or people in their 30s or 20s, do you feel that the government is going in a good direction or a bad direction? Do you think that you have more opportunity or less opportunity? Are things getting better or worse? In China, I don't know if these polls are manipulated, but overwhelmingly the position is things are getting better for us. My children have better opportunities than we had. And the, gov- the, the country is getting better overall, even though it has its issues. Ask that question in France. Ask that question in the United States. Ask that question in the UK. Unanimously, almost throughout the entire West right now, we have huge crisis of governance where the government is not representing the people, even though we're democracies. So where is the legitimacy? Are people happier? That's not a simple question by any means. All right. This is crypto around the world. So we made sure we <laughs> talked about the world. We talked about some politics. We got we got Kareem fired up. Always fun to have that happen. And uh, now that you're all fired up about uh, foreign politics, why don't you talk to us about a place near and dear to our hearts, to our hearts, the crypto community of Thailand. Yeah. So this is a quick story here, guys. And I really wanted to bring this up because I, I ran into an argument that we always run into recently. But anyway, the SET, the Stock Exchange of Thailand, apparently is officially applying uh, for an operating license for digital assets with the finance ministry in Thailand. What does that mean? Well, it means that they're basically trying to get the permit that it will allow them to become or create uh, some type of crypto exchange. 
there's going to be a link in the show notes with an article that hammers out all the details. There's not a lot of development other than the fact that not only is the Stock Exchange of Thailand applying for this, but that there are other companies also applying for this and that this process is moving forward. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is I was recently at the poker table with somebody, somebody who's intelligent, has money and all that stuff. And they were telling me that the main reason they didn't want to invest in cryptocurrencies because they were just convinced by this narrative that world governments are going to stop it, right? That it wouldn't be allowed. It's like, it's almost like the myth of Bitcoin has gotten too, like everybody believed it too much in my opinion. And it almost hurts it a little bit because so many people view cryptocurrency only through the lens of the thing that's going to bring down every world government, right? Like the libertarian dream that, that Bitcoin emerged out of. And I'm not saying that that's not one of the angles, but I had a really hard time convincing this guy. And I was saying, like, what do you, bro? Like, there's stock exchanges, there's, you know, laws are being passed on how to tax this stuff in Europe and, and in Asia. And in, like, what do you mean? The world governments are already institutionalizing it. And still, there's that persistent feeling well, if Bitcoin succeeds, the governments will stop it. And uh, I don't know. I guess I just, here's just another little domino that I feel like is going in the opposite direction, you know? I'm super excited that you're playing more like high stakes live poker because my favorite part of that world was the people. And yeah. you can meet some fascinating humans that are at really interesting points of their life where they're comfortable gambling with very large amounts of money and particularly in cash, which is not that common in our society. Uh, th- there are some very special humans there that you can have some fascinating conversations with. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall for some of them. But yeah, like, like we said, we, people invent narratives in their mind. And that's why Bitcoin may take much longer than we want it to. Because if people keep inventing these narratives, then they've already made their decisions. The anchoring biases exists. They're going to hang on to that. You know, the person they trusted the most when they first asked about it is where they're going to hang on their bias to. You know, it's going to take a long time to convince them otherwise. Yeah. And I guess ultimately, I think we've said this multiple times on the show, but rather than like, oh, what's the great argument that we're going to make that's going to reach people or what's the like clutch thing? At the end of the day, this thing is really going to expand when it forces itself into society, just like every people other have to technology. Make the choice. Yeah. When the choice is so easy, right? When your brand new Samsung phone just makes it that much easier, like we were just talking about, or your new Apple or whatever, when everything is much easier because it's better and you have a clear cut positive benefit. That's when most people will make the decision. And then there it is. It's almost like a natural progression, you know. Indeed. Thanks for that, Kareem. So let's move to the mailbag section. Yeah. Crip basic. Flags your Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop. Where we break down a member's thoughts. Just start in crypto, don't you stop. Keep this until you hit the spot. Woo! All right. We got a question from Danny Caulfield. When and what is the next conference you will attend slash moderate panels, etc.? Do we have anything in the pipeline, gentlemen? I, so I did recently talk with ETH Denver. They weren't able to fly us out there or give us any sort of uh, stipend because they didn't need speakers. I stopped reaching out to conferences because I was pretty busy, but I think I'll reach out to some more. And uh, if you have a conference that is interested in speakers, moderators, um, or is flying media out, I, most people don't fly the media out, but if you're interested in a speaker or a moderator or an MC, we'll do, we will do that. We'll probably do it cheaper than some of the other people that you will find. So um, hit us up. You'll be surprised at what you'll find. 
and pick your favorite podcast host and we'll we'll try to make it happen sounds good all right so you want to recap our patreon members well first i want to yes so this is the point of the episode it's the last flagship of the month so we're gonna we're gonna talk about our master node and secure node layer members but first want to welcome the new patreons for the week everyone responded to the call last week i kind of mentioned offhand that we didn't have somebody well i gotta stop hitting that thing in my head mistake uh we, I had mentioned that we hadn't grabbed anybody, but we had a lot of people, a bunch of people join this week. So please help us out with the Patreon. It is awesome. When, when we mentioned before that we're looking for sponsors, if you end up on the Patreon, you're not going to be served those ads. So don't, uh, don't worry about that in any way. But for now, we have new members. We have Jeff. That was the only name that he had on there. So, uh, obviously respecting anom- anonymity. We have Crypto Titan. That's Titan what with a anonymity? Y. So T Y. He told you. Yeah. Jeff is Jeff. It's Jeff. That's all Jeff, Jeff needs Jeff. to be. Thanks, Jeff. Continue. Thanks, Jeff. We got Crypto Titan with a Y. He he joined as uh, as a secure note. And finally, I, I don't know how long's our Patreon been out. And uh, Nathan Simmons, also known as Lummy Flux, uh, joined the joined the podcast <laughs> Patreon. So um, well, no, all you actually. Do is get, uh, no, no, no. I'm so, surprised we didn't have to owe him money for all the contributions. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we do. <laughs> Definitely. He's, he's paying us to basically work Nathan, for us to get us set up people. a Patreon and we'll refund you. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, I was discussing a couple things behind the scenes and Pistu was running a, ma- a node for Lumma Flux and Tyler Cahoon. Uh, that's the big Cahoon. It, what Peace Do offered was rather than paying him the eight-ish dollars a month, he said he'll give them the note for free if they sign up for our Patreon. So this is like Peace the do. network. Oh, yeah, the network effect is is coming, right? So like we have these relationships, we're building with our people in our Discord. We're hoping a lot of you guys are getting involved in crypto in some way or another, and we want to support everybody. As long as you're obviously, as long as you're doing it the right way, if you're listening to our show, hopefully you believe in our message. And yeah, we are big believers in the community. All right. And then I want to give the special shout out that we were that we're going to give every month to the people who have signed up on the secure node or the master node lever or master node tiers. We'll start with the best of the best, the master nodes. We still have uh, Marcel Bozio from Bitcoin Mexico on there. We've got Robert Laverty. We got the the bigger boat. He's the one that, that put in the flagship suggestions about that Chinese article that I found, and I was like, Whoa. ah, okay, nice. sweet. And we've got Simon Gordon, also known as Rage Against the Screen, uh, on the secure node level. We've got the Z Man. We've got Steve Staples, Stephen Stapleton, uh, Amaya Vidia. God damn it! I should actually ask him how to pronounce his name. That's Degenerate Brahmin, and uh, and Jeff. So thanks again, everybody, thanks, for. <laughs> Being it's Jeff Bezos for participating. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did did see his first and last name because I have access to the email. Jeff, if you want us to say your first and last name, tell me. But I don't want to do anything other than your display name if you didn't ask me to. So, so I, I just went with Jeff. Mm. So see, th- this is thank a, you, this everybody, is a keeping read. us afloat. I know Brent very well based on what he just said. I know it's not Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Ding! Wow. Wow, I don't know how I'm that transparent. This is unbelievable. I got I got to work on my game. Oh, it's not you, Brent. It's not you. I have really good reads, bro. Relax. He's working on his Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been working on it. You have it on your face. 
All right, gentlemen, uh, another awesome episode. Let's do a quick call to action. If you want to be part of the conversation and you want to support the show through your text and communication, join the Discord server. We you know, mentioned several times uh, different points in this episode, things we've done and interacted with the Discord server. We'd also appreciate an honest rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we should be on most of those. And uh, if you could like or subscribe if we're on YouTube or the podcast format that you listen to, that would be greatly appreciated. And finally, the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. Just a couple no, of guys no, no, no. sitting in the little rooms talking crypto, creating network effects, mm-hmm. talking about Samsung and getting donations China. from Jeff Bezos. He owns everything now. Look out for Skynet. <laughs> That's going to do All it for the Crypto Basic Podcast. Risk. My name is Mike. I was here with Brent and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you.